guided to the bazaar, whether you worked a table, was waitress at the cap, which some of us say that the people found out that we're not experienced as waitresses, but that's okay, they forgave us. Um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful event. So I want to give a big thank you to everyone who helped. Amen. We also have many items left. So after worship, if you'd like to do a little Christmas shopping, if you ran out of time yesterday, or for whatever reason you were able to come, we have items back there for purchase. Um, and they'll be there for the next few weeks. Edna will be our cashier, so you, you give Edna your money. The, um, if you look in your um, bulletin, you'll find a green slip of paper for poinsettias. We are ordering the poinsettias from Lowe's, and they need to have the order by the end of November. So you have two weeks to get your poinsettia order slipped to me, or for the offering plate. They are $7 a piece. We're asking everybody this year, we're doing something different. Order one plant only for as many loved ones as you want. You can write down how many loved ones names you want. Because last year we had a lot of plants and some of them people said take to nursing homes. We can't take plants to nursing homes because the nursing homes don't want them. So um, if you only order one, maybe you can take it back to your house. Today we have a trustees meeting at following worship. We have a UMW meeting eventually. There's a Christmas play meeting first, then a UMW meeting. Tomorrow at night at 6 o'clock at Unity House, there's a, there's a work night. Wear your old clothes, bring a paintbrush, and, and come to enjoy working in the Unity House. There's also one on Wednesday morning from 9 to 12. Again, whoever can come, they would gladly accept your help. Unity House is on Cutler Avenue behind the church. We're making good progress, so you'll be excited to be a part of it. Christmas in the Village is on December 2nd. It's from 2 to 5. We'll be having free cookies and games and stuff in our room, and also our catch-up craft fair. And there's a Unity House meeting at 6.30 on December 4th in the Clark Room. Any other announcements? I have uh, one thing I'll add here. As you may be aware, we have a, a sermon series that I'm launching today based on the book, Three Simple World Rules, A Wesleyan Way of Living. She sells seashells by the seashore. Um, it's a mouthful, but it's a little book. And several of you have purchased it already. Uh, I think we may still have one copy on the back table. There's a sign-up sheet if you'd like to get them. They're inexpensive if you want us to order them. Even with the elders, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. This is the gospel of the Lord for the people of God. Please be seated. Never forget your God, though. Never. <laughs> I guess we're safe. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious, loving God, we'll never do things perfectly, but you do ask us a few simple things to help us to follow you. Help us to learn about those starting today. 
And so may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, either through us or in spite of us. Speak to us, thy people. We pray. Amen. Good morning. I have a question for you, and I'd like you to think about it for a moment. If someone asked you, what is a Methodist? What would you say? You don't have to answer that question out loud, but I'm going to ask you to pause for a moment uh, and to consider that question. So here is the official pause. If someone asked you, what is a Methodist? Are we ready to go on? My, my guess is that in our moment of silence just now, many of you were probably a bit challenged to come up with an answer to that simple question. And if that's the case, please relax. I'm sure that you're not alone. Most people have a hard time explaining what their particular Christian faith is all about. And because we have a hard time explaining what our faith is about, the world has a hard time understanding what our faith is about. Recent research by the Barna Group asked Americans what they thought of various Christian churches. And the good news for United Methodists is that very few people have a negative idea of what Methodists are about. Only 9% in this Barna survey had a negative impression. But the bad news is that when these people were asked what they felt about Methodists, very few had a strong positive impression either. In other words, most had a very vaguely positive sense of us. And like other church and churches and denominations, most people really don't know what to expect from a Methodist church. Someone I spoke to recently reminded me of how important it is for us to be able to answer this question for ourselves. The person describes someone who's kind of curious about their faith, but who's scared to go into other churches because they don't know what to expect from one church to another. Here we are, called by God to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the world, and the world is afraid of what that means. So for their sake, and our sake, and for the sake of the United Methodist Church, we need to get better at answering the basic question, what is a Methodist? The good news is that we have a simple and positive faith. We believe in God as creator, redeemer, and transformer of the world. We believe that God is love, expressed most perfectly to everyone in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We good so far? We believe God's love is revealed in our scriptures, the Holy Bible, which our faith experience, our God-given gift of reason, and our Christian traditions help us to understand. We're still good, right? What really sets us apart as Methodists, though, what makes us distinct as a people of God, is that we're not just to love God, to praise God, to worship God, to feel good about God. No. As Methodists, we are called by God together with all the people of God's world to be more like God. Amen? God is not done with us. God saves us through faith so that we can be like God with God's help. 
with everyone in the world who needs to be more like God. In other words, Methodists are not supposed to be almost Christian. We are supposed to be real Christians. The Christians who people hope that they will find when they poke their head inside that door for the first time. A people who love the Lord our God with all our hearts and all our minds and all our strength and who love our neighbors as ourselves, period, full stop, no ifs, ands, or buts. So when someone asks, what is a Methodist? The answer should be simple. Methodists are the real deal. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, believed this with all his heart. And from the earliest days of his seeking faith, when he was at school in England, Wesley and his fellow devoted Christians were made fun of by his classmates as people of the method. In other words, they thought that trying to be a real Christian was a big joke. But then, Wesley began to bring this approach to faith to the working people of England. They saw what a difference it made in their lives. A year after Wesley had first preached in a field near Kingswood, a town full of coal miners, Wesley wrote in his journal about Kingswood, It does not now, as a year ago, resound with cursing and blasphemy. It's no more filled with drunkenness and idle diversions. It's no longer full of wars and fightings of clamor and bitterness, of wrath and envy. Peace and love are there. Great numbers of the people are mild, gentle, and easy to approach. Real faith changes lives. Living a life of faith with others changes the world. And so John Wesley gave Methodism a beautiful gift, his general rules, three simple rules for living a life of faith. These rules are in our United Methodist Book of Discipline, and they cannot be removed or altered. They are the core of the movement known as Methodism. And to remove or alter them is to remove or alter us from who we are as Methodists. Reuben Job's book, titled Three Simple Rules, explains our general rules very simply. Many of you have picked up a copy of it already, and I hope that others do too. I invite you to discuss the book and these sermons after worship these next few Sundays in this sermon. The first rule reminds us of what is simplest about being like God, and it is often the hardest thing to do. Do no harm. Jesus did it so well, and without faith in Jesus Christ, we have very little hope of being like Jesus. As Paul reminds us today in our reading from Romans, even Paul, an apostle of the Christian faith, saw that he could not keep from doing harm without help of the salvation from God that came only through faith in Jesus Christ. Still, he knew that through God all things are possible and that God wants us to be like Jesus no matter what. And the first thing that we need to do to be like Jesus is to never hurt anyone or anything, including ourselves. When we do hurt someone or something, that's called sin. In his general rules, Wesley points out that doing wrong is most generally practiced. Sin is everywhere. Sin is popular. But mom, 
Joey's mom lets him do it. Why can't I? Right? Call it fear of missing out, fear of not fitting in, fear of not being enough, or having enough fear of whatever. Doing wrong is based on letting our fears rule our hearts instead of God's love. If we give those fears an inch, they'll take a mile. And before long, you won't be able to tell where you begin and your sins end. Do no harm. It's that simple, but hard. Do no harm. Don't give the fear that would make us hurtful a single inch. And the only thing that can help us to do that consistently, persistently, and insistently is the saving love of God found through faith in Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can save us from doing harm. And Jesus came to us to do that for everyone. A woman caught in adultery found this out the hard way. In today's reading from John's Gospel, she was about to be stoned to death by the religious leaders of her town. They were so busy thinking about their own fears that their hearts were at war with God and with the world. They came to Jesus, looking for words of faith to justify their killing. Jesus refused to give those words and instead asked them whether they were without sin. Had they done no harm? None at all. Had they all dropped their stones? They all dropped their stones and went away. First, do no harm. Because without that, you have no idea of whether you're doing the good God wants or not. Jesus then sent the woman on her way saying, go and sin no more. Jesus forgave her sins, but Jesus made it clear, that's it. No more sin, no more hurting. Because what we do with God's forgiveness is what makes us Christians. She would not be able to do that alone. She would need Jesus and others to do it, but she was to do it. Do no wrong. Never be at war with yourself or others or God. Always be at peace. No ifs, ands, or buts. Rely fully on God and other people seeking to be like God, to stay at peace and to grow in peace. And this kind of peace is not just for those who we know, but for the world. In his first general rule, John Wesley mentions not only the personal holiness that we need, but also the social holiness that we need. He mentions slavery, corruption, saying angry things about politicians, be they good or bad, as sin also. They are also signs that we are at war with God and with one another, letting fear rule our hearts rather than the saving love of God that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. Faking God's love in anything makes us less than Jesus. And Jesus came to help us to be just like Jesus. We'll never do this perfectly. And we'll never, ever do it alone. But we are called by God to grow our faith a day at a time by never doing harm first and foremost, and by always trying to make amends for our harms, bringing peace where there was war, healing 
where there was hurt. We are the ones who are called by God to set an example for the world of what it means to be really like Jesus together as the body of Christ in this world. I met a woman a few days ago from Kenya who was working for the United Methodist Church at our global ministry offices in Washington, D.C. Her name is Pauline. When Pauline was growing up in a town in Kenya, one day, a friend of hers came running into her house and asked Pauline's father to come quickly to their house because her friend's father was beating his children. Pauline's father ran to her friend's home, and soon the other father stopped the beating. Pauline asked her father afterwards, Father, I see that all the other fathers beat their children. Why don't you beat us? And Pauline's father said, because I love Jesus. Do no harm. That's the first step of being like Jesus. Do no harm. It is the first rule of being a Methodist. It is always simple and never easy, but it is our way of life. And it is, by God's grace, a good life. It is time now for the prayers of the people, the time when we lift up those who are most in our concerns on a personal basis, as we lift up our concerns for a world that needs not to be harmed and to be lifted up in healing and hope. We pray for the family and friends of Ruth Songhurst who are mourning. We pray for Cindy Hupper, whose upcoming surgery this Thursday we hope goes well. There's Cindy. Cindy is our third knee surgery in, what, two months? Not even that now. And we pray that it goes as well as Linda's did and as well as Corpus did. We pray for Elizabeth Jones, who's in hospital um, with heart trouble and other symptoms. Uh, she's the sister-in-law of Emily. And we pray for those who are ill, uh, Regina Nassara. We also, uh, I ask you to pray for my father-in-law, Fred Greeley, uh, who's recovering from a heart valve operation in which he experienced a stroke. And we pray for the people of Texas who are mourning the tragic loss of life after uh, an amazingly brutal shooting in a church. And we continue to pray for those people who have been destroyed in so many things by the hurricane, but not in the hope of Christian faith. Would you pray with me, please? Loving, healing, powerful God, we hear these prayers and the prayers that rest quietly upon our heart even now. You ask us to find the quiet center of faith in our lives where we may lift up these concerns to you and our joys to you and be as close to you as our skin is to our body. For this is how close Jesus asked us to be willing to come close to him. Put aside 
our concerns, our fears. Lift us up in courage and in hope. Bring healing and hope to everybody who we've spoken about today, who's in our bulletin, especially those who are ill, those who have passed, those who are recovering from illness, and those who serve in the military. We pray with gratitude and thanks for all the veterans who have fought to keep this nation a place where people would not harm one another, and who may yet not harm one another, who follow in your holy ways. These things and all things we pray for in the blessed name of Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. How beautiful it is to be able to not only do no harm, but to do good. We have the ability to do good through our faith in Jesus Christ. And so let us celebrate our ability to do good for the sake of God's kingdom as we present our tithes and our offerings to the honor and glory of God's good work.